Someone earlier remarked that um, I apparently had put on my father's jacket. Um, Someone else said, uh, I've been seeing less and less of you. I said, well, yeah, I've been trying to uh, get a little healthier. And um, someone asked, so let me guess you stopped eating at Chick-fil-A. Now, I just need to tell you something. We do not talk that way here at Northside, okay? I'm still going to Chick-fil-A for those of you who are worried, just eating a few more salads and a little more grilled chicken. But uh, if you've enjoyed seeing less of me, you're really going to enjoy next Sunday. You're, you won't see me at all. Uh, we have a, a special guest. Uh, in fact, they're here with us this morning, Robin and Chrissy Vick. Are sitting back over there. Robin's our missionary to Scotland, and Robin and Chrissy both are our missionaries to Scotland. And uh, Robin's going to be speaking next Sunday morning and telling us about the great work that they are doing with the church there. And they send their greetings, and I know Robin's going to share much more about that. So uh, I really hope that you'll make a make it a point to be here next Sunday morning, especially. Uh, we are uh, grateful very much for Robin and Chrissy and all the great work that they do, along with all of our missionaries. Uh, Northside uh, is intentional and purposeful. It missions, mission work isn't just a line item in the budget. We, we invest in them. We are, uh, connect relationally to them. We support them, as many of the adult Bible classes did this morning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then see your Bible class leader and say, hey, what's going on? Uh, but, but we are really all in with our missionaries, and uh, it's great. And we just love them and appreciate the great work that they do. Today we finish up a series called Seeking Shepherds, and we've been talking uh, these past several Sundays about biblical leadership and what that looks like and and how the the pages of Scripture, when it's specifically talking about leadership in the local church, how that looks so very different, not only from worldly leadership, but even from from church leadership in general, as you might look at it. You might say, well, this isn't... At Northside, we really do want to look at the pages of Scripture and say, what does this say, and let's do that. We believe God's Word is a great blessing, and and so that's why we've been talking about biblical leadership and looking at what it means and how we put it into practice here at Northside. And we are doing this current series because our shepherds have decided, our current shepherds have decided that uh, this is the right time uh, to add more shepherds. Uh, these seven men that you see, Clayton McCullough, Brian Middleton, Brent Groves, James Wilson, Albert Brensing, Doug Wagner, and Ron Mock have been uh, wonderful shepherds and are, can, are doing great work. And uh, they've just decided, hey, it's, it's reasonable and wise. Now's the right season. Now's the right time. Uh, to add some more men to help them. So we're going to talk about that. I've said before, but I'll repeat it. Uh, Over 80 years, Northside has had 25 men, including these seven who have served us as elders and shepherds. Their godly leadership, their unity of the Spirit, their their desire to be Christ-centered and and to to be led by the Scriptures in what we do... uh, and to do all that with great wisdom and great love uh, is the, the result of that is our congregation as it is today. And so the men that we seek to add to our current shepherds 
are those who will lead us to the north side of tomorrow. And so we want to really take uh, time and, and open the word and let the spirit guide us through the word. Um, so to recap, here's kind of what we've learned so far. Uh, first, we started the series and we said, why do we need shepherds? Why uh, are shepherds called to lead the local church? Uh, that's why we need them. Jesus uh, said one time, speaking of his people, the Israelites, he said they're, they are harassed and helpless, one translation says, like sheep without a shepherd. See, it's one thing to have God's people, but, but it's quite another thing to have uh, good-hearted, God-centered men who seek to lead those people in the way that they should go. Uh, good leadership is a great blessing to a congregation, but poor leadership, oh, it can really hurt a congregation. And, and that's why we need shepherds, so that they can lead the local church. Leadership is different at the church level. Um, it's not a democracy. It's not like a business. It's not like any human organizations. Uh, this is, a, is, of course, made up of human beings, but it's an it's a organization that has a spiritual purpose. And we need shepherds who are biblically qualified, who willingly love and lead the local church. Then on uh, June 9th, we talked about who shepherds are. We looked at the scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, and we kind of boiled those down to say that shepherds are wise, disciplined, self-controlled men of good reputation who lead well. And we know they lead well by looking at their families and by looking at the, the kind of the fruit of their leadership. The Bible points toward the qualities of these men, and, and there's a reason for that, because they want us the scriptures point us to seeking the right kind of man to follow, to give great consideration to the man's wife and the influence that she might have on a shepherd. And so we're, we're, we're seeking uh, men who are the kind of leaders that we love and respect, look up to and submit to uh, when they make a decision or when they choose to lead the congregation in a certain way. And then last week we talked about what shepherds do what it is that these seven men, that these all 25 men have done over the, over the course of Northside's history. We said they lead, they protect, they mature, and they serve the family here at Northside. Um, shepherds do, and we sort of boiled it down, but there are a lot of things that shepherds do that most of us have no idea about. Uh, there are things that, that they do that they are not going to, notify anyone. They're just going to go and do because they love this body here. But good shepherds will always act, not in the interest of themselves, but in the interest of the flock that they serve. And so that's, uh, that's what they do, and that's why we consider well and take our time as we consider those men. So God has requirements of shepherds. It's clear. We cannot read through Scripture honestly and say that God doesn't care. Just let anyone be an elder. That is not the case. But did you know that God has some expectations of you and I, too? That as those who will submit to their authority, we have some things that we can do. And so as we prepare to add shepherds, Shepherds, we're not going. To, we're going to move just a little bit off of talking about them and talk a little bit about how to make a shepherd's job easier. How to make a shepherd's life just. A, of course, they have, all have a great burden to bear, and someday they'll have accountability for our souls. So, there, did you ever think that there are things that you can do 
that you, right where you are, can do to make a shepherd's job a little easier. Um, the first is to simply pray. And, and I know you expect to hear that from the preacher. And I know you expect to hear that at church. But if James says that the, the, the prayer of a, a good, wise man, a righteous man, avails much, we need, those of you in the pews, and I know our elders certainly covet, your prayers as they do their work. It's not easy to do. They need your wisdom. Um, maybe you've probably been asked to pray for those in leadership, and people have led from this pulpit and you know, prayed for the leaders of our government, leaders of our nation, state and local and otherwise, and that's scriptural to do as well. But, but if you would do that, why wouldn't you also pray for our shepherds? on a regular basis, not just when it's time to talk about adding new shepherds, to pray for them because they, you know, from, an, from an, the enemy's perspective, if he can take out a shepherd or two or three, if he can split the, those men, if he can cause division, well, he's, he's done a great world of damage, hasn't he? If he can uh, work his way into those, so we need to pray for those men and, and doing the work that they do. We've read this scripture, but I want you to turn again to it, Acts chapter 14. And this is speaking now of Paul and Barnabas at Lystra. Verse um, 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. This is page 1184, if you don't know where Acts 14 is. Verse 22 now, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you paid attention this morning when Brian led the prayer on behalf of the Oakleys. They are going through a tribulation, a very tough physical tribulation. It's going to be a hard time on Devana and uh, no doubt the family as well. But, but the tribulations that they go through are, were, are common in our church. All of us here have faced tribulations at one time. And if you haven't, that probably means you're next in line. What, what happens then is that when you face many tribulations, as you enter the kingdom of God, maybe, maybe, just maybe, the enemy is working on you. And then verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now you get the context here. I mean, they, they had just been stoned, but they, they still brought up some disciples. They, they brought the disciples forward and they said, you know, we're, you're going to face some hard things. And then the scripture says they, they appointed elders. They appointed good Men who were self-controlled, respectable, wise men who could lead this new group of Christians onto maturity. That's a good picture of why our, what our elders do for us and why we should pray for them. Even at the very outset, when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. My hope is, over the past three weeks, as you've taken this blue sheet that you had in your handout today, and you had 
opportunity to fill out this last week, that you didn't just take it and think, oh, well, uh, let me pick some names of some people I like. Because you missed, you missed the whole point. I hope that instead you bathed that process in deep, purposeful, intentional prayer. I hope that you proceeded doing that, or if you haven't yet submitted your names, that you will do that by reading the Scriptures and praying over those men whose names you would submit and asking the Spirit to sift wisely the men who should lead us in this season. The second thing is to read and study God's Word. Now, if you're a Northsider and if you've been here a long time, you know that that's part of our culture, that that you are not satisfied with a 30-minute sermon by a guy reading the Word for you. If you depend on that, you will you will be spiritually malnourished. Not because my sermons aren't that awesome. I mean, hey. But because the time. I mean, if you even if you go Sunday morning and Sunday night, and let's say you add Bible class in there, folks, that's an hour and a half a week. 90 minutes in a whole week of Bible teaching. That's it. You need to be in the word for yourself. So, especially as we think about select leaders, you need to open up 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. Yes, we've read them in the sermon. Yes, you can get the podcast. But you need to let God's word work on you in your heart as you pray and as you think with your mind about the men to select. And third, nominate qualified men. Consider men that you believe, after reading the biblical list, Men who are biblically qualified. Not not men who have lots of money. Not men who have lots of influence. Not men that are all your buddy buddies. But I mean men who are biblically qualified. Who are men of respect that you would follow as a shepherd. That's the whole point. That's the, that's the desire. So uh, these are the three things that we're asking you to do. And I hope that you're... You, have done them, or you started this process. If you haven't, I hope that you take that blue sheet today and and begin the process. Remember that we'd like really all the names submitted no later than next Sunday, June the 30th. So uh, get about that process. If you haven't, be intentional, be purposeful, be biblical, be spirit-led. Over this series, I've been asking you to submit your questions about shepherds, my Assumption that within a group of this size, there's sort of two groups here. One is, been a part of the COC maybe your whole life, or for at least a decade. Long enough that you've heard a sermon or a sermon series about shepherds and elders and what that means. And so you get to this point and you go, oh, okay, here we go, I know what it is. Okay, you sort of go on autopilot, and that's dangerous. But, but the second group is are those who are very new to faith and new to Christ and new to what it means to be in a church that says, wait a second, what if we just open the Scriptures and do what it says? And maybe you're new enough that you think, well, you know, I sure have a lot of questions. And so we gave you that opportunity during this series, and um, there were four questions submitted, so we're going to look at those this morning. Number one, does an elder have to be married, and have children? And the answer to that is yes. Okay? The scriptures are very clear. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, if you care to turn there, and also verse 4 of the 
of uh, 1 Timothy. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Verse 4 goes on to say he must manage his own household well and with all dignity keeping his children submissive. Okay, why is that? If you come from a a, a background where you're not familiar with, well, as we talked about in the sort of the qualifications part, these these men are going to be leading. What's the best place to look for an example of what kind of leader a man is than to his family? If a a man is not a good husband, if he's derelict in his duties as a father, if he's not leading his family to Jesus, uh, then that is uh, poor leadership. That's what fathers, by the way, are called to do. Church is not a building. Church is family. It's people. And so you need leaders who are able to lead and influence people in the right way and go the right direction. A couple couple of, of points to note here. We read in Acts 14, verse 23 that it's God's will, and they, Paul and Barnabas had appointed elders for them in every church. We can look at that and read that it's God's will, his desire, that a church would have elders to lead. Now, we understand there are some churches that are just too small, and there's men who are not qualified and all of that, but, but when at all possible, a church should seek to have biblically qualified men to serve as elders. When we step out of the biblical and go into the legalistic and begin making this sort of litmus test of all of these things that we want, and we seek men who are perfect, the problem is, the problem with that is you're not going to find any men who are perfect. You're not going to find any men who are perfect husbands and perfect fathers and have perfect children and whose families never make a mistake. In fact, I would say even if you could find that man, by the way, you can't, but if you could find that man, he probably wouldn't be a great elder because church is about leading a family full of, don't take offense to this, of imperfect people. We are not a perfect church. We are an imperfect church following a perfect Savior. Elders have to learn to manage wisely and lead imperfect people. So, we we got to keep in mind that um, sometimes we get into the parts about uh, he must have believing children, and, and we we go well, you know, this guy has a forty five year old son that goes to a church that I don't think is right. Okay, can I back up just a second here? Okay, believing children is not matching up 100% with your doctrinal list. Because even even here among the church, I'm pretty sure if we all made a doctrinal list of absolutes, that none of our lists would match 100%. So this idea that we've got to pick a guy who, by believing children, we mean, oh, he his children would ascribe to everything I believe? <laughs> That's not what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying, does he have children who are believing that Jesus is Lord? Is there evidence 
It helps to maybe think about this in extreme cases. Okay? If you've got a guy and his children are grown and a couple of them are atheists and one's in prison and one's living a degenerate lifestyle and, and, and his marriage is pretty rocky, that guy's probably not a good family leader. The evidence of his leadership is in the fruit of his children and his his wife. But do not get into a litmus test of all of the, what I would call believing children, and apply that to his children and their children. I mean, you, you get way out of the scope of what Scripture calls for. And by the way, you're not going to get any elders. That's a very, very high standard. There is no perfect parents. There are no perfect kids. And by the way, there are no perfect elders. They're human, just like you and I. They are called to do the, God, the, the, the job that God has called them to do. Also, I do think there's a difference in a man with children in his home, where he's sort of like in my phase of life, where his, his children, you can view that submissiveness and, and yielding to his leadership and, and the kind of relationship that he has with them. That's way different than a man who has a son who's 45 years old. Man, that guy's making his own decisions. Yes, certainly a father has influence. But it is, it is a little bit out there to say, well, I'm going to hold this man ultimately accountable to make sure that they believe 100%, his kids believe 100% of what I believe, that they go to the church that I would approve of. Yeah. Okay, step back from yourself, open the scriptures, and, and look. Are, the, are these men, men who lead their families well? A man who doesn't lead in his house should not lead in God's house. But if you're looking for a man who's perfect and who does that perfectly, you're not going to find him. We should be biblically consistent, but we want to make sure that we do not get into what the Pharisees did and go, well, okay, if this command, then this, then this, well, that must mean these four commands and make this list. That's exactly the trap that they got into, and we have to be careful about that. Is this man leading in his home? Did he lead his wife and his children to Jesus? Did he instill faith within them? And are they, his family, a, a good fruit and showing that this is the kind of man that, that would be a good leader, that I respect, and that I would follow? So keep it simple. Is this man respectable, disciplined, self-controlled, and wise? Would I follow his leadership? Okay, the next question. What kind of time is put into a shepherd's duty? I didn't, Brian, is there an off time for a shepherd? This is 168 hours is about it, so per week. Um, no, it's, uh, I, it's a hard question to answer. Uh, I will say generally a lot, a lot more than people realize. And we must understand, I've shown that picture of them around the, 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 in the elder's office there, but that's not the only time they spend. I mean, some of them, I have no doubt, will go to the hospital today, and they probably have meetings with some of you, and they'll probably gather together for breakfast or lunch with a few of us. And those things are just things that elders do. I, you know, um, 
it's, it's a lot. It's a dedication aspect of it. I don't think there's a time card associated with it, but if there was, uh, it'd be pretty well punched, wouldn't you say? The next question is, are we seeking all new shepherds or just additional ones? And I, I really want to pause and just explain this here because I, somebody pointed this out and I thought, oh, I'd never thought about that before. Someone last week came up to me very concerned and said, are we replacing all the elders? And I said, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> and this person said, well, I count here on the blue sheet seven lines. I didn't even know what to do with that. I, um, <laughs> to reassure you, no, there is not a mass exodus happening here. Um, we are just seeking to add additional help to our current uh, elders and shepherds. Of course, obviously, shelters and ep- uh, shelters. <laughs> okay, elders and shepherds. <laughs> are not perfect, just like their preacher. Um, they, boy, that really flabbergasted me. Um, <laughs> the life stage, the life circumstances for a shepherd and an elder are always subject to change. And we, we under, as a congregation, understand that this is not necessarily a Supreme Court appointment, okay? It's, uh, uh, I mean, men, we've had men come and go in, in, for a variety of reasons, from the eldership at Northside. And uh, none of those, to my knowledge, have ever been from a, a scandal or, or any major sin. Uh, I suppose that's not beyond the realm of possibility, but, but generally speaking, when shepherds decide this is, you know, they've just got too much in their life, maybe they've got health concerns, maybe they've got family trouble or something like that. As I said with the previous question, there's a big demand on those men. And so they have to come to the, to the right timing and as they and uh, their families see, see best when they are ready to step down. So, um, yeah, seeking more help. And uh, our current elders are still planning fully to serve. The last question that was submitted was, why are we adding or replacing existing elders? Well, couple of reasons for that. First of all, um, the last time that we added shepherds was seven years ago. And in that seven years, we've had a lot of growth, a lot of new families, a lot of young families, a lot more responsibility um, with somewhere in the vicinity of 300 plus families, over a thousand people on the roll. That's a lot. That's a lot for these men to carry. And they carry it well but they've just said, you know, we, it's time to have more help to do our work effectively. Now, some of you may know uh, that Ron Mock, one of our shepherds, he has had some health problems, some health issues over the past couple of years. Um, he and Ginger got a diagnosis here. They went to Mayo, and they've determined there is really the, his health problems are not expected to improve. Because of this, you know, he's indicated that at some point, and I really want to emphasize that strongly, at some point, you know, he knows that's going to, he's going to have to step down. He won't be able to do that any longer. That is not, that point is not today, 
Okay? He's aware of that for himself. He, as all good and wise shepherds do, is thinking not just of where we are right now, but he's thinking head toward the future. And so, in that mode, he understands that time's coming, but uh, that's th- those two things, the growth and how God has blessed Northside, and uh, Ron looking at his own situation and saying, I'm not stepping down today, but we need to be thinking ahead. And uh, I think that's good and a wise thing to do. So, as the Northside sheep, may we, may we do three things, not just today, but in all the days. The first is, may we give these men our heartfelt respect. Uh, our elders have to say hard things, they have to work with difficult people, they have to do challenging things, they have to make hard decisions that no matter what they decide, either this group will be unhappy or this group will be unhappy or, you know, brother and sister cranky pants will be unhappy. Okay? Give them your respect, okay? Northside has not now and nor should it ever be a place where people who are gripey pants feel at home. Well, that's not the way I do it. I'm giving a piece of my mind to tell you how I do it. No, 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 you will not. Leaders take shots. And the shots that they should take should be from the enemy and not friendly fire. And the scripture is quite clear about this. Do not ever entertain an accusation against an elder. Unless we're talking about serious moral sin, if somebody starts talking and gossiping and slandering an elder or his wife or his family, you just need to step back, shut your mouth, and walk away. And I'm not even being facetious on that one. Because they know things and do things that we know nothing about. They labor diligently. Because because it's an easy job? Because it pays well? No. They do so out of their love for us. Out of members of this family, we must, in in the spirit that God wants us to, submit to their leadership, their authority, and their direction. And when they make a decision that we don't agree with, we humbly say, that's their choice to make, not mine. And we step in line, we say, I follow you, because I believe you are doing in the interest of what will benefit and bless Northside. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you're still in your Bibles, turn there, page 1266. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. The first thing we owe them is our heartfelt respect. Second, our humble submission. Our humble submission. Shepherds are accountable for the souls in their care. The scripture that was read for you this morning, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, is quite clear. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. May we make their work a joy. Okay? I would love for it if every time you address an elder, it was to tell them how much you appreciate them, how much you appreciate their work, how much you love them. Maybe take the opportunity just to pray for them. If you want to make an elder's job even better, get along, as the Scriptures call us to do. Live at peace with one another, as the Scriptures call us to do. Do everything without grumbling or complaining, as the Scriptures call us to do. May we, may we humbly submit to them, because they humbly submit to Christ. That's important. And the third thing is our constant prayers. Um, we, we think, obviously, the men who serve in this way for their bold leadership, for their hard work, for their faithful service. And as we talked about last week, there's lots of times when the elders pray for us. But we want you shepherds, I'm looking in their direction simultaneously, we want you as shepherds to know that we really do love you and appreciate you And appreciate your leadership and your wisdom and the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that you have. And we pray God's richest blessings of wisdom to you as you make this decision. But this morning, I I know our elders pray for all of us. This morning, I want to flip the script and have us... Do for them what they do for us. So I'm going to ask, I think there's five here this morning. If they would come forward, please. And you'll just stand here at the, the bottom step. Now, sorry, I said five, but there's four. Um, yeah, obviously, there are seven shepherds. And uh, getting them all together at once is a miracle of biblical proportions. But these four and the other three who are not here today spend countless hours in prayer, time meeting with you all, praying with you all, ministering to you all, serving you all. This morning I want to call us as a congregation to pray for them. Pray for them as men. Pray for their families. Pray for their leadership and the decision that they make as they, as they add additional shepherds. And as I'm prone to do, I like to use teenagers. So uh, guys, if you come forward and, and uh, they're going to... Now, if you all, the rest of you who are not teenagers, uh, if you would stand, and I would ask you to spread out into the aisles... And grab a hand. And if you would like to come join the teens, that's fine too. But just make sure you have a hand or shoulder of a brother or sister in Christ. And I've asked Justin Abraham if he would. He's going to come and lead us in a prayer as a congregation for these men. Particularly because of Justin's heart, but also because he's been an elder And he knows the challenges that they face. So if you will, please, let's pray together. Here. No, this one, this one. Father, uh, 
what a joy it is to be with family. Uh, Father, uh, we love our elders. And Father, you know, over the years, you've supplied many men to lead this congregation through the years. And Father, you know, we've had a series over the last four weeks about elders and their responsibilities. And uh, Father, we love the seven elders that we have. Father, they're into your word daily. They pray a lot. They spend a lot of time together. And Father, they love the Northside family very, very much. And Father, you know, they look out for the best for Northside. And Father, there are some decisions that they do make over the years that doesn't seem right to a lot of people, but they do it for the best interest for Northside. Thank you for their servant's heart. Thank you for their compassion. Thank you for the love. And Father, as we submit names to the elders, we pray that the men that are submitted will step up to the plate and want to be serve as an elder for Northside. And Father, we're thankful for the Northside family. Help us to be good sheep. Help us to follow and help us to love each other. Father, I'm thankful for the elders and for what they do for the kingdom. We're thankful that we can surround them and love them. We're just grateful that we have you to talk to. We're thankful that Jesus died for us. And Father, we pray that everything moves in the right direction. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, youth group and elders. You may all have a seat, and the rest of you as well. We're going to hear in just a moment sing a song that has great meaning for us as a church body, and I appreciate Charles selecting it. And it reminds us that the, the church is not an I or a me thing. Church is an us thing. That we're in this together, that we're working together, and that we're heading home to heaven with Jesus together as a family. And that's why we've spent so much time talking about shepherds, and I certainly hope you bathe the process in prayer and certainly yield to Scripture and to what it says. This morning, I would be remiss if, uh, as we close, if you can sit, sit, back, sit there and say, I don't, I don't think I'm a part of us. I, I don't, I'm not in Christ. I haven't been baptized. I haven't confessed his name. I, if, I, if, if, if I'm not connected to his body, there's no better time, certainly, than this morning. You can add you know, to an ever-growing family. Uh, we'd love to have and help you to know Christ. If this morning you sit there and you think, I'm in Christ. But I sure have not been living like it. And you need to repent. You need the prayers of our shepherds. You need the prayers of all of us. You know that it's an us type of situation. It's not a me. It's not an I. You don't have to battle alone. You've got a family who wants to help you to Jesus. And we'll do whatever we can to encourage you. So as I often do. In just a moment as we sing, if you have a spiritual need to either put on Christ and enter the family of God, or you've strayed from Christ and, and you know some things have got to change starting today, we're going to stand and sing in just a minute. And you know who will be down front to receive you? Our shepherds. Why? 
Because they love you, yes, and because they love him. And we seek continually those men here at Northside. This morning, if you have a need, please meet our shepherds down front as together we stand and sing.